So money, money is on our minds, I think, a lot, all the time. But even if you look at headlines today, um, it's on our minds a lot, for sure. Um, and not like times in the past, maybe where we went through decades of abundance uh, and money might have been on our minds uh, thinking, um, oh, I've, I've got all this money, what am I going to do with all this money? Here's all the things that I can buy with my money. But, but now, in the period of time that we're going through now, of course, um, it's, it's kind of the opposite where it's more of the bad news. You know, we hear all these headlines, things like the last five years in our economy have been the worst five years since the Great Depression. Um, you know, we get the unemployment reports all the time. It's, I think the last one still at 7.6%. And even anecdotally, it's, we know it's, it's still hard to find a job, to find a good job, to keep a job. Uh, our state, of course, there's no good news <laughs> financially. Uh, for our state, we've got a massive financial black hole. I saw one counter that said our debt per citizen is about $12,000. So money is on our minds a lot, but it's, it's bad news about money. And in times like these, when we're hearing all this bad news about money, the tendency, I think, is for us to want to circle the wagons and, and to, to close up and to say, what can I do to take care of myself? I, I know that it's a hard, there are hard times, there are people are suffering, um, but everybody's struggling, and I, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to take care of me and mine. I can't really be bothered to care for the problems that other people have because I've got problems too, and things are really bad, and they might get worse, and so I've got to take care of myself. Um, now's the time to, to save and to hoard, not to give. I don't have money to give. It makes sense, right? I mean, why, why should we? Why should we risk our own financial security to help those who are poor, um, especially in these hard economic times, right? I mean, if, if things were better, then sure, I could be more generous. But of course, if things were better, you wouldn't need to be generous. It's exactly times like this when generosity is the most important, but also when it's the hardest. Um, and it's precisely because God knows our hearts that he says so much to us in his word about generosity and about helping the poor because he knows that when times are, are hard, we don't want to give. And when times are good, we forget the need to give. And so at all times, we need to see from his word the truth, the wisdom about life, specifically about, about money and what do we do with it. And it's, it's the wisdom from God is that we must be generous to the poor. So last week, we, we looked at God's wisdom for hard work. And we saw that if you work hard, generally speaking, God provides for you. And today, we're going to take that the next step and say, well, when God's provided for you, what are you supposed to do with that provision? Well, you're supposed to be generous to the poor. Uh, and what we'll see uh, today is, is that God wants us to be generous as we give to others. And even, you know, we'll flesh this out more later, but, but even that, that act of generosity that call that God has in our heart to be generous to others is a means by which he provides for us. Now to get there, I'm going to take three steps, and you can follow this on your note-taking outline uh, today. But first, I just want to define rich and poor, according to the Bible. 
uh, then spend most of our time looking at the reasons, some of the motivations that God gives in Proverbs for why we should be generous, and then a couple clarifications at the end. Okay. Uh, and before we, we jump in, I just want to give this disclaimer here. Uh, we're, today, I'm specifically talking about generosity to the poor. Okay? So I don't want anybody here to check out right off the bat say, here's another pastor saying, give more money to the church. Okay? Now, now, it's true. If you, when you give money to our church, and you can look in our budget and kind of trace down the numbers for yourself, some of that money directly goes to help the poor. Some of it directly goes, like from us to organizations that help the poor or to our benevolence fund that's directly for that. Um, you could argue in a lot of ways, and I think it's a good argument, that the, the ministry uh, that we do that's a gospel ministry is also beneficial to the poor and to others, but uh, you know, some of our money goes directly to the poor. But I'm not, I'm not here today to say give more money to the church. Okay? So don't check out with that. This is about being generous to the poor, specifically helping those who are in need. So as a result of this message, if, if you, you know, decide that you're going to directly give to the Southside Mission or to International Justice Mission or to World Vision or whatever, and I never see a dime of that, great. Okay, great. It's not about our, our church budget today. Let's start by defining the rich and the poor. Why do we need to start there? Um, well, it's because we're bad at it. We're really bad at defining rich and poor. Uh, we have our definitions. Um, we, we, I think, generally agree that the rich do have some sort of obligation to help the poor, uh, but we're really bad at defining what that means, who is rich and who is poor. I, I think our general definitions are that someone who is rich is someone who has more than I do. Okay, that's the rich. Um, and somebody who's poor um, is someone, well, is someone who's not able to afford everything that they want. Uh, so by that definition, lots of times, other people are rich and we're poor. Right? If I can't afford everything that I want, I'm certainly not rich. Uh, I might be poor. Uh, that is not even close to how the Bible defines it especially when you look at Proverbs. So here's our first verse this morning. Uh, Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9. It's a prayer. Okay? He says, Two things I ask of you, praying to God. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So what do we see the definitions of poor and rich are here? He's praying, give me neither poverty nor riches. So in that prayer, he defines what poverty and riches are. So what is being poor? Poor is not having enough to survive. Okay? That's what the biblical definition of poor is here. So it's a person who would need to steal in order to survive. You see, that he doesn't want to be poor because then he wouldn't have enough to survive and he might have to steal and dishonor God by disobeying his law. So it's a person with no, no food, no savings, no resources, no safety net. Someone has to resort to drastic measures just to survive. And you might think, well, that's a ridiculous definition of the poor because by that definition, who is poor? Well, only the 2.8 billion people on the planet who have to survive on $2 a day I mean, maybe nobody you know, but still almost half of the world's population is poor by this extreme definition. 
All these things that we consider to be normal. Just you don't even think about it. 2.8 billion people will consider them extreme luxuries. Things as luxurious as furniture in your house. Right? Or more than one meal's worth of food in your pantry. Uh, uh, running water, electricity, of course, electronic gadgets of any kind. Uh, transportation, including a bicycle. Healthcare, access to a hospital. Um, we're talking about people who have a, a net worth of $5 or less. Yeah. That, that's, that's poor. That's what we're talking about. Poor. It's, it's not you, okay? Chances are, if you're living in America, you drove a car to church today, it's not you. Now, who, what's rich? Uh, being rich, according to this proverb, it means you have enough that you can forget about God. He says, I don't want riches because I might deny you and say, who is the Lord? Okay, so you're rich enough. If, if you're rich, it means that you've got enough resources, enough uh, money in the bank, enough food in the pantry, enough insurance to say, I don't really need God. I've got enough resources that I don't really need God. I can do this on my own. And I think by any measure you can think of, again, that is us. That is us. I don't know if you know this, but if you make $31,000 a year or more, globally, you are a one percenter. If you make $31,000 a year or more, you are the top one percent of the world's population in terms of income. Okay, you, we're, we're rich. We're rich. That's my point. We don't think we are, but we are. You know, if you've, if you've read The Hunger Games or seen the movie, we're the capital, not District 12. If that didn't make sense, you can watch it. It's fine. We're the rich. We're the rich, not the poor. So, so this, this sermon, the, what the Bible has to say about caring for the poor, when you read about, about the obligations for the rich towards the poor, don't be thinking this is the obligations for Wall Street or the, or the, the American 1% or the Bill Gates, the Warren Buffett. Don't think of them. Think you. Think me. We are the rich. We have an obligation to the poor. God wants us to be generous to the poor. Now, why would we do that? Well, thankfully, there's lots of motivations. There's lots of motivations. So that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time now as we look through the verses in Proverbs. God gives lots. I picked five. I think there's even more than that. Five big motivations for why we should give. Okay, we know we ought to do it, but, but really, we don't want to. So God helps us. Here's our first reason. Why should we give generously to the poor? One, because every person is precious to God. Because every person is precious to God. Proverbs 22.2 says, The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. See, one of the lies that money tells us is that if you have more of it, you are actually a more important person than someone who has less of it. Um, money, it, it lies to us like that. It says, well, I've got more money. That means I'm more important than someone who doesn't have as much money. 
but these verses remind us, of course, that it's not money that makes you important. It's the fact that you've been made in the image of God, and that whether you have $2 a day or $100,000 a year, you are made in the image of God. That's what your value is. That's why you're important. It's easy for us to get tunnel vision to say, well, um, yeah, we hear that statistic, living on $2 a day, but those are those people in India, and they can do that. It's fine for them. They're the same as you. They have the same value, inherence in them because of being created by God. And in Proverbs 14.31, it reminds us, if you oppress a poor man, you're insulting God. So you're not important because you're poor. You're insulting God. You're saying, that person's not important. You made them, I know, but they don't have money, so they're not important. See, one of the motivations, the first one here for us in, in being generous to the poor, is just that simple acknowledgement whether you're poor or you're rich, you're important because you're made by God. You're loved by God. You're precious in His sight. So as Christians, as people who want to honor God in all we do, one of the ways we can do that is by honoring, uh, honoring God through being generous to the people that He's created. That's the first one. Why should we give? Another reason. Because God punishes those who ignore the poor. Yeah, I'm going there. Because scripture goes there. God punishes those who ignore the poor. Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Proverbs 28, 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Proverbs 15:25 The Lord tears down the house of the proud but maintains the widow's boundaries. These first two proverbs that I've got listed there I think pay a pretty good paint a pretty good picture of what it looks like to ignore the poor. So in the first one it's uh, you close your ears to the cry and don't hear it. I don't hear what poverty. I don't hear any poverty. And the second one, uh, they hide their eyes. I don't I don't see anything. I don't see any problems. Uh, And the results for both of these cases are pretty stark. In the first one, having closed your ears to the cries of the poor, um, God closes his ears to your cries. So you don't show compassion to those who are in need, and then you turn around and you expect God to show compassion to you. The second one, You hide your eyes from the poor, you will get many a curse. Now, probably that includes curses from other people. That is, if you're a rich person and you're selfish and you're not generous to those who are in need, other people will call you out on that. You will be cursed for your miserliness. But probably also God is in view there as the ultimate source of cursing because you see in the next one, Proverbs 15, 25, God is on the side of the poor, of the marginalized, of the oppressed. When you see that there, like he, he maintains the widow's boundaries. Widows, along with orphans and immigrants, are three of the major groups of people that God is always championing because they're the powerless people. The widows in that society who had no, uh, no official uh, champion, no one to, to, to argue their case, to defend them against the oppressing uh, forces of others. Uh, the orphan, of course, with no one to take care of them. Or the immigrants who don't have the same rights as those who are native. God is always on their side. And so if you are against them, of course those three would often be poor, right? If you're against them, God is against you. 
This is a really major theme in Scripture. That rich people, like us, are meant to use our wealth to help the poor. That's why God has given it to us. And if we don't do that, then we're going against God's wishes for us, and we can't expect God's blessing when we're going against his wishes for us. God punishes those who ignore the poor. I don't know if you expected that one or not. It's there. It's there. But, good news, it's not even the, the biggest theme. Okay? Now, may, maybe some of you, depending on kind of what kind of church you grew up in or, or your experience with God, you might think, there's the story right there. Don't do good, do good or God's going to get you. Okay? Well, it's sure it's part of it, but, but here's the bigger picture. I love this one. Number three, why give? Because God rewards those who give to the poor. This is the flip side and actually even much more prevalent in Proverbs than the, the previous. So let's look at some of these. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters himself will be watered. In Proverbs 19:17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Now this is, this is so important. This is an incredible principle that God is laying out for us in his word. It, it, it's, it's what we need to undercut our, our fear-based selfishness, right? That says when times are hard, I need to keep as much as I can for myself so I can take care of myself. These, these verses here blow that out of the water and say, no, that's not what you need to do. It's the opposite of what you need to do, in fact. What, what, what God's saying here is, is when you give... A gift to the poor is not like throwing money down a hole. It's much more like an investment. And who are you, who are you loaning it to? Proverbs 19.17, you're loaning it to the Lord. Okay, he's good for it. He's good for it. When you give to the poor, it's like giving to the Lord, and he will pay you back. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Okay? Now this is, this is, this takes some faith to believe, right? It's counterintuitive. You say, well, I'm giving money, how am I going to get richer? If I give more, I'm going to have less. It's going to be harder for me to live. But the opposite is actually true. Okay? And there's even, even uh, empirical data that I've, I found recently. The survey that just came out of, of uh, People who tithe, that is folks who give 10% of their income away, they compared them to non-tithers, and they found that in basically every category of financial health, the tithers were better off than the non-tithers. So they looked at the tithers and said 80% of the tithers had no unpaid credit card bills. 74% had no car payments. 48% owned their own home, and 28% were completely debt-free. Now, some people ask, well, maybe they just, maybe they tithe because they're better off, right? Maybe because they don't have any debt, then they can tithe. Well, no, no. 
Because for these tithers, they said 63% of them started tithing when they were still high schoolers or in their 20s. Okay? So it's a lifestyle thing. They've been tithing all along. And, you know, I'm not saying believe it because the study says it's true, but look, the Bible says this is true, and you look at the world and it matches up, it should give you pause. Those who give, who are generous, it looks a whole lot like Proverbs 11:24. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. One withholds what he should give and only suffers once. If you believe this, it totally changes the way you approach giving. It's not, you don't think, oh, this is a grudging thing. I'm going to scrape together a few pennies here and there. What do I have left over that I could give? Instead, you view it as an investment. See, how much can I give? What, what can I possibly do without so that I have more money to give? I was thinking about... Um, Thinking about Google this week, because I mean, they're everywhere, right? Uh, you remember it was nine years ago that Google went public with their stock. I don't know if you remember this or not, but when it came out, let me refresh you. Uh, its initial public offering, when when they sold the stock, it was eighty-five dollars a share. Okay, today it's about nine hundred dollars a share. So it's like ten times what it was originally. Now let's say you knew that. Okay, you had a time machine or something and, and you knew this is what's going to happen nine years from now. Google's going to be worth ten times what it is now. And your friend says, hey, I've got a chance to invest in this initial public offering. Uh, do you have any money that you can invest with me in, in Google? He said, guarantee it's going to go up tenfold over the next nine years. He said, well, I don't know. Um, let me find my, look at my change jar. So I got anything, so I had some McDonald's today, I think I got a few quarters um, left over from that, and uh, I mean just, you know, I'll scrape together a few bucks, and yeah, you can invest that. Would you do, is that what you'd do? If you knew it was going to multiply by ten times over the course of the investment? I think you'd say, no, uh, let me see, can I, um, I'm going to go to the bank, and I'm going to get a home equity loan, and I'm going to take all that money, and I'm going to borrow money from my friends, and I'm going to get as much as I can to invest in this because it's a sure thing. It's going to pay off. See, we have that mindset for investments. God says that's what it's like in his economy to give. Giving is an investment. Now, of course, not in a selfish way, right? So people can take this and spin this and say, if you give, then you will get money, and then you can buy that car that you always wanted. That's not what we're saying. No, that's not what we're saying. Why does God give to those who are generous? It's because that's what he wants his money to do. God wants to help the poor. And so he will give money to those who help the poor so that they can continue to help the poor. You understand? If you use the money that God has given you to buy bigger and bigger uh, you know, cars and uh, bigger and bigger houses and you know, the iPhone 17 because the iPhone 16 wasn't quite fast enough. Like If you use your money for all those things and only those things, then God's not going to give you more money so that you can buy more things for yourself. God gives you resources when you prove yourself to be faithful as a giver to others because he knows that he can trust you to be a conduit of his blessing to those who are in need. The more wisely you use your resources to help others, the more resources God will entrust to you. It's true. Why should we give? We should give, because every, we should give to the poor because every person is precious. 
Because God will punish those who do not give to the poor, and God will reward and bless those who do. Those are three good reasons. I've got a couple good ones left. Number four, we should give to the poor because money will never satisfy you. So Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says this, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Proverbs 28, 8 says, Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. And these Proverbs made me think of this Saudi prince who is on the Forbes billionaires list this year. I don't know if you heard about this story, but it's this, I don't remember his name, but he's, he's ranked 26th on the world's richest list. So he's got 20, $20 billion. He's 26th and he is, he is mad because he wants to be in the top 10. And so he is having this public feud with Forbes and you know, arguing with them as to how they undercounted him by nine billion and they're saying, well, here's how we did it and they're you know, kind of airing his dirty laundry out there and he just, he's mad because his goal, he's just not going to be satisfied unless he's number 10 on the Forbes billionaires list. So you, you understand, like, there are more people in this room right now than there are on planet Earth who are richer than this guy. He is 26th in the world in wealth. And he is not satisfied with that. He is not happy with that because it's not enough. It's never enough. You begin to pursue money, your eyes light on it, and it's gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings and flies away. If this guy is not satisfied with $20 billion, what hope is there for any of us that if we just get a few more thousand dollars, we're going to be happy? See, money is seductive. It says, if I just, if you don't quite have enough to give right now, but if you just have a little bit more, then you'll be able to give. Just a little, just not, you can't give right now, but just a little bit more you'll be able to give. But then you get that little bit more, and then you, oh, you think, oh, I'll just sign up for this one service. It's only $8 a month. I'll just buy this one extra shirt. Um, I'll just go out to eat a couple more times a month. And all of a sudden, you realize, I don't have money to give anymore. Where did it go? What's the second proverb say? It says, if you're toiling, if you're laboring just to build up your own wealth, you know what you're doing? You're building up wealth for God to give to somebody else who's generous to the poor. So why not let that person be you? You, know, you don't have to build wealth that will end up ultimately being given to someone else who will be generous to the poor. You can be that person who is generous. Don't let money seduce you and to think that if you have a little bit more, it'll satisfy you. Use it for what it's intended to be used for, namely helping those who are in need. And then you'll be satisfied. Why should we give? Because everyone's precious, because God will punish those who do not give to the poor. He will reward those who do, and money will never satisfy you anyway, so just start getting rid of it. Number five, here's the, the most profound, I think, and the deepest reason why we should be generous. It's because you are a recipient of God's generosity. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Okay, it's saying, where riches come from, where the blessing of wealth come from, it comes from God. 
And then this one we looked at before, Proverbs 30, verses 7 and 9. Remember, it's, it's a prayer. He's praying to God, giving neither poverty nor riches. Why would he pray to God about that unless God was the one who's ultimately in, ch- in charge of that happening? Right? So the wealth that you have, the resources you have, everything you've got, it's a gift from God. You yourself are a recipient of generosity. There was no... There was no contest before you were born where God lined up all the souls and said, okay, I want you guys to show me who's the hard worker, who's going who's gonna to be worth it, and the people who won the contest got born in America, the people who lost got born in India. Okay, I mean, wh- why, why? Why were we born in this country that is the wealthiest country in the history of the world? Did you deserve that? Did you earn, is that like, you should be here and, and the people who are living on $2 a day in, in Somalia, you know, they deserve to be where they are? It's all a gift, right? It's a gift that the sun came up this morning. It's a gift that you're breathing. It's a gift that, that we're here. It, it's all a gift. What do you have that you did not receive? And if it's a gift, if everything we have is a gift, what right do we have to we have to hold on to it and to not share it with others. Uh, but it goes even deeper than that, right? Because God is not asking us to do anything he hasn't already done himself. Okay, he's asking us to be generous with what we have, to take the wealth that we have and to make others rich with it. That's exactly the same thing that he has done for us. Okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to go outside of Proverbs for the next one. But 2 Corinthians 8, 9. I think I put it on the slide. There we go. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Apostle Paul is writing. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The, The abject poverty of living on $2 a day is, is horrible. I don't want to minimize that at all. But there is a poverty even worse than that. There is a poverty even worse than that. It's the spiritual poverty of living day by day as an enemy of God. Of being cut off from God. And, and that's how all of us start out. Okay? All of us are enemies of God by Default. When we're born and we be <laughs> and we're born with sin and then we begin sinning right off the bat and we have confirmed a thousand times over by the time we're two years old that we are enemies of God, selfish creatures. And no matter how much money we make in, the lo- in this life, no matter how high we're ranked on the Forbes billionaires list, um, we will only ever be cursed by God when we die because of our sin, if, if that's all we're counting on. That's what we deserve, to be separated from God forever. And I'm telling you, that punishment, we, we, I mean, we might look at, it might actually be fair to look at someone living in abject poverty and describe it as hell on earth, okay? But that's only a picture of how horrible actual hell is. It's spiritual poverty. It's the worst thing that happens. So we are poor. We are born poor. We are born in that state. But what did Jesus do? He was rich. He was rich. There was, 
there was more difference between Jesus Christ, you know, living in heaven with God the Father and the Holy Spirit for all eternity, more difference between him and us than there is between Bill Gates and the slums of Bangalore. Right? It's, it's incredible poverty. You talk about income gap. You know, the gap between the glory of Jesus and the wretchedness of sinful man is huge. But what did he do? Did he just stay there? No, he didn't. He became poor. He became poor in, in the sense he became a human, but he even became a poor human. Right? Which, is, which is shocking. You know, Jesus didn't even own the donkey that he rode into Jerusalem when they were about to kill him. He had to borrow that from a guy. He didn't have a home. He didn't have a savings account. Jesus was poor. And he came to this earth and he lived the life that we should have lived and he offered himself on the cross dying in our place that he might make us rich. He offered himself as a substitute. He, he lived the perfect life. He died in our place taking our penalty, paying for our debts to make us rich, that we could be forgiven, that we could be reconciled to God, that we could receive the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives. See, at its heart, the Christian gospel is a message of generosity to the poor. God, in his mercy, saw our need. And the person of Jesus Christ, he sacrificed, he made himself poor that we might become rich. Now, if that is the essence of what it means to become a Christian, if we've, we've received all that open-handed generosity, how, how can we turn then from receiving that open-handed generosity of God and say, mine, 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 mine? You can't, right? That's the answer. You can't. If you understand the, and experience the generosity of God, the open-handedness of God towards us, you must, by necessity, be open-handed towards others because you know it's all a gift. It's all a gift. See, we have to be generous. We, we give because everybody's precious in God's sight. Uh, because God loves the poor and he punishes those who oppose the poor and he blesses those who bless the poor. Um, because money will never satisfy us and ultimately because Jesus has given everything to us to make us rich. So we must pass that on to others. Now, two practical clarifications to end. Because no matter what truth you're teaching, you can always go off the deep end in a couple ways. So let me just try to, I'm trying to, the plane's been kind of high today, like theory, we should give, we should give, we should give. So I want to get a little closer to the ground, more practical, what's it look like? The first clarification is that generosity requires sacrifice, not impoverishment. Generosity requires sacrifice, not impoverishment. You know, so I, I know in this crowd, some of you are going to be like me and you're tender-hearted people and you're just like, I want to pull out my checkbook and write a check to pay for the 2.8 billion people who are not surviving, you know. And you could in a second get rid of all your money and not meet the entire need, right, because it's bigger than you. So what do you do with that? What do you, I mean, how do you, you know, I mean, when, it, when do you stop? You're like, well, I could, I could eat a smaller meal today. I could, I could wear the same set of clothes all week. You know, where do you, you know, how do you figure out I mean, you've got to work that out to some degree between you and the Holy Spirit, but, but here's, let me just give you a little guideline here. There's Proverbs 13.22. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, 
but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. It doesn't ultimately help the poverty problem if you impoverish your own family trying to solve the poverty problem. Right? A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, so you don't want to impoverish your family in the quest to bring other people out of poverty. You, you don't have to give all your money, is what I'm saying. Right? But you do have to sacrifice. It does mean that you sacrifice for others. Proverbs 22.9 says, Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Just, just to point out, he's sharing his bread. Right? He's got bread, and he's sharing with the poor. So if he didn't share with the poor, he would have more bread for himself. If, you know, it, it's a sacrifice. Um, he's not giving all his bread to the poor. He's not leaving his kids to starve while the poor eat the bread that was his. No, but he's sharing the bread. He's not holding all the bread and looking at the poor and saying, I wish you had bread. He's saying, I've got bread. You need bread. I'm sharing my bread. There's a sacrifice involved. So you're not going to impoverish your family, but your family is not going to have as much as the next guy. Your kids aren't going to be left in poverty, but they might not have the nicest clothes. Okay? You don't have to ruin yourself to be generous, but you do have to sacrifice. That's the first clarification. The, the other one is that generosity requires action, not mere intention. So you might also be sitting here today and you think, oh, that's so right, so we should give, and then you go home and you totally forget about it. Um, that doesn't count. All right, Proverbs, 22, 9, or, uh, Proverbs 3, 27 says this, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go, come again tomorrow, I'll give it, when you have it with you. Delayed generosity is not generosity. That's what it's saying. You, you, you got it right now, you got the thing, your neighbor comes and says, hey, can I borrow this? And you've got it. Don't say to him, hey, come back tomorrow. Because you're thinking, well, I might need it today, or you know, I, I'm just not ready to give away yet, or maybe he'll forget and he won't come back tomorrow. If you've got it and the need presents itself, meet the need. That's generosity. Generosity is not, well, I would like to be. I think of myself as a generous person. I mean, it's, it's just really a form of self-preservation. It's a way to feel like you're generous without actually feeling the sting of generosity. I intend to give. I really do. So you feel like you're a generous person, but you're not actually meeting the need. See, real generosity requires action, not mere intention. So I've already established that we're rich. So that takes care of that part where it says, if you have it, you know. We do have it. We, it is in our power to be generous to the poor. So we have to do something. Now, the way I want to end today is not with a special offering. <laughs> um, I'm not going to put plates in the back and say, now just open up your checkbooks. And, as the Lord is leading, make them out to Dan Lehman. Um, I'll make sure it gets in the right place. No. I, uh, what I want, though, is I want to give you an assignment. Okay? I want you to, 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 to take some action. Okay? So you maybe don't know kind of where you are financially and what's going on. So I just go home, look at your finances, figure out where you're at. And then, and then kind of with that investment mindset, say, where, where can we find 
some more money that we could actually begin to give more generously to, to those who are in need. Um, you know, look at your, look at your, 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 your things that you think are, are kind of just standard stuff, like, well, of course I've got to have that. And, and look at them with the eyes of somebody who lives on $2 a day. What's a luxury? What's a necessity? Where can you, where, where's the places where you can sacrifice? Um, you know, do some research. Find some organizations maybe that, that you think, oh, I really love what they're doing or how they're helping the poor. I, I would love to talk with you. I can give you some guidance on places that you can look where you might want to invest. Um, you know, think it through, but do something. Do something. Uh, once, you, once you find out an opportunity to give and you've got the resources to do it, do it. But I just, I just want us to be like Jesus. <laughs> he was rich. He used his resources to bless those who were poor, that they might become rich. You know, that's the gospel in action. And as we believe it, I trust that God will take care of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, um, thank you for your riches. First and foremost, for the, 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 the incredible spiritual riches that are ours in Christ. Um, everything else is, is garbage compared to knowing you. Um, you have, you, you died on the cross for our sins, Lord. You rose from the dead. You offer us reconciliation with you and the Holy Spirit. That is a treasure. If there's anybody here today who doesn't even have that, I pray that they would not miss that point, Lord, I, I don't want anyone here to, to think, okay, now to be right with God, I've got to go and, and give all my money away to people, and, and that they would somehow miss the, the, the crucial transaction of putting their faith in you and receiving true joy in life from you. So, Lord, if there's anyone here who's, who's kind of going down that road, I pray that you would arrest them right now and drive home the central truth of belief in you and the transforming power of the gospel in their lives, and they would put their faith in you, bowing the knee to you. And then from there, that all of us who have done that would have the gospel and the Holy Spirit flowing out of our hearts in such a way that we would long to be generous and to care for the poor and to be open-handed as you've been open-handed with us. God, I pray that you'd give us opportunities to see and great wisdom to know um, how much to give. We, we don't want to put ourselves under a burden of guilt, feeling like we... We can never enjoy uh, a cheeseburger again. That we would enjoy the gifts that you've given us at the same time, wisely, from love, blessing others. Lord, I pray that you would do good. That there would be folks, real people, who live in different places in this world who would be a beneficiary of our generosity as a result of the time spent with your word today. Uh, please bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen.